For the first time since 2020, we finished the season in the top two, but this time we're a bit more mature, a bit more talented, and a hell of a lot hungrier. Now, destiny is in our own hands with the chance to avenge round one's Port Adelaide mauling at the Gabba on Saturday night and book ourselves a home prelim in the process. We'll be saving most of that talk for our next episode, though. Today, it's all about looking back at season 2023 so far. The highs, the lows, the broken lights, and the ripped jumpers. It's been a home and away season to remember, and we'll go through the highlights and lowlights of the 23 games we've seen. We're also going to cast our vision ahead to this weekend's AFLW season opener against the Tigers at Brighton Homes Arena. Bree Conan is going to join us to talk uh, all through that. Mike Whiting does join me, and Mike, if uh, they released rats to test for finals fever like they had for COVID, I reckon I'd be showing up double lines instantly at the moment. I'm, I'm absolutely come down with the dose of finals fever. How are you doing? <laughs> I wonder where you were going there. I, haven't, I hadn't heard the term rats for a while. I know. It's a bit of a throwback to something we probably are all happy to not hear that much about anymore, but no. um, there is a genuine palpable buzz in the air, I reckon, at the moment. Well, we've got some certainty now, don't we? For the yeah. last month, we've been saying, can Brisbane finish in the top two? You know, can Carlton beat Melbourne and keep Brisbane's chances alive? Are Port Adelaide going to look? We had all these scenarios, but we've it's laid out in front of us now. Brisbane's finished second. They've got two home finals. They hope it's a qualifying final and a preliminary final, yeah. not the qualifying and the semi. But, yeah, there's a bit of certainty now so we can get excited about Port Adelaide and then beyond. Yeah. You know what? When you look at where the club was probably two months ago um, after that Demons loss, this is a pretty remarkable result to have ended up in second spot. I don't think that seemed at all likely at the time. Top four still seemed a reasonable chance, but a lot had to go right for the Lions with a couple of um, things going wrong for Collingwood. Uh, sorry, not for Collingwood, for Port and for, for Melbourne. And thankfully the stars aligned and, and here we are again. It, it does feel, I know I mentioned this last week, but it does feel a little bit like, um, you know, the, the end of the movie where the challenger who started well but then got knocked down again sort of comes back a little bit hardened, a bit more resolve, and, uh, and that's us top two again. Um, as I said, we're going to talk most of that a little bit later on, though, in the, the next episode. Here is the process from here. So uh, you got this op- this episode today where we're going to talk about the Saints and the season so far. We've got a heap of questions to get through and the AFLW chat as well. And then the next one, the next episode of The Raw Deal is going to be out for Patreon subscribers. I think on Thursday you're going to get it. Everyone else will get it on Saturday. Uh, now this, we can now confirm a very exciting guest joining us, Mike. You've done the the legwork setting it up, so you, I'll give you the, the honours of announcing. Oh, it's actually my hero as I was a, <laughs> yeah. a younger man, uh, Simon Black. Yes. So we've managed to get Simon Black for our episode later in the week, which is so exciting. He's Amazing. He is the loveliest guy, Blackie. Mm. Anyone that's listening to this that's had the fortune of saying g'day to him or having him make, you know, a longer chat will realise that. What you see in interviews or what you see is what you get. Yeah. He's such a, a genuine guy, very giving of his time and very thoughtful, sees the game really well, as you'd expect from a one of the game's great players this century. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. No. And we're very lucky to have a bit of time with him and, yeah, can't wait to see what he's got to say and he still keeps up with the game. He commentates on it for, for Triple M and uh, sees it really well and has some interesting thoughts, I'm sure, so can't wait to chat to him. Uh, it's one of those sort of, for just personally, 
pinch yourself sort of moments mm. for me, Mike, just like it was when Lee Matthews wandered into my garage for the first time. <laughs> I feel so grateful to be a part of this podcast sometimes to be able to meet my heroes like this. So it's pretty special. If there's one question that you want to bookmark to ask Blackie later in the week, I mean, we were chatting earlier that there is a lot of banter about him and Acker and the 03 Norm Smith. Is that the one you want to go with? Yeah, I think so. I'd love yeah. to I'd love to find that. Well, we know what Acker would say about which, <laughs> which player should have won that Norm Smith medal. And yeah. I remember watching the grand final at the time and I loved Blackie as a, mm. like I just said he was, he was my hero when he played for the Lions I loved watching him play and from very early days when he came into the club and I was watching that through Blackie goggles I would say thinking he, he's going to win this I didn't even sure. consider Acker or <laughs> Lynchy or anyone else that was yeah, <laughs> a yeah. chance I just thought Blackie just kept racking him up and racking him up and thought this is his day so yeah I would like to ask him though well, we're going to get to, to all of that in our next episode. It's going to be a bumper finals preview. So look forward to that. As he said, uh, Patreon subscribers, you'll get that in your feed on Thursday. Everyone else will have that on Saturday to listen to it over the uh, the pre-finals by weekend. That's where we're going to look at the matchup against Port. We're going to look at the, the midfield. We're going to look at both ends of the ground, some big finals predictions as well. And some of your finals questions will be in that episode as well as our chat with Blackie. Uh, and uh, before we kick things off, Mike, I mean, we have... Uh, a lot of Saints stuff to talk about from the weekend, but a little bit of, uh, as we record on a Monday afternoon, breaking news. Can we say that? I guess we can. When we talk, it'll be <laughs> it'll be broken news by the time it, That's <laughs> people true. listen. But we weren't sure if we'd be able to talk about this, if it was going to come out Monday <laughs> evening or, or Tuesday morning. It is now uh, confirmed it's come out today, which is the All-Australian squad of 40. Yeah, 44. 44. 40, 44 players in the All-Australian squad this year. Is, so that, is that four more than usual? Uh, last year and this year. They brought that there in last go. year, which I thought was a bit odd. Yes. It's, it's getting towards the everyone wins a prize sort of areas, but two yeah. teams now. Two te- You can pick two teams. There we go. But no, for Lions, which most people listening, I'm sure everyone listening to this will have mm. um, under heard by now. So Harris Andrews, Charlie Cameron, uh, Lockie Neal and Joe Danaher yep. are the four Lions, which we've probably, I think we could have, we've probably flagged that for a few weeks now, haven't we? They're the, they're the four likely. There yeah. may have been room for one or two more at a stretch, but- I think they were the four safe options for Brisbane. Uh, Zach Bailey getting robbed again. Well, I mean, it's I mean just, that, yeah. Honestly, Mike, it's hard to show up and do the show sometimes when things like that happen. The disrespect on his name. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> That's agree. That's what the kids say, isn't it? That's yeah. exactly it. Gillan McLaughlin has had a Zach Bailey beef for years. And I can only assume it's because Gil knows he's the second biggest name in the game behind Zach Bailey. And he just can't quite handle that. But honestly, get over yourself, Gil. Or you are getting over yourself and you're getting out, which is good. Right. Because next year. It may, next year <laughs> Zach will be captain. I've heard Andrew Dillon's a much bigger fan of Zach (laughs) Bailey. Yeah, I've heard actually. I've heard that uh, Andrew Dillon was going to leave the game in 2017, go back to working as a lawyer, and then he heard Zach Bailey was getting drafted, and he thought, "Oh, I guess I'll stick around." This is the reason I love the game. This is why I'll stick around. (laughs) Uh, If I asked you, Mike, for uh, two questions, I mean, firstly, of those four. Um, who do you reckon's getting in into the the squad of 22? It is 22, isn't it? We don't have a sub. It is 22. Okay, who's getting into the the squad of 22? How many? Uh, Andrews will get in. Yep. I think. No, Sam Taylor. Yep. So I think that opens the door a bit more for Harris. Charlie Cameron, I think, is a lock. Yep, I agree with that. And I think Lockie Neal's going to get in. I think a bench spot. And I, I, I'm i just not sure about Joe. I, I think he's going to get squeezed out. Which We've been saying he's maybe the yeah. lock for the last couple of months. Yeah, which is silly, isn't it? Because it's not. Yeah. A, I, I don't think his form's tailed off at all. No. 
But there's a few other key forwards. I mean, Taylor Walker's got to be in there. Has to Obviously, be. Charlie Curdo's got to be in there. Nick Larkey, you'd think, has made a late run to be in there as well. It's just it's Nick Larkey, really. I mean, if you're going three tall forwards, you think mm. I think he's kicked 20 goals in his final three matches. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's just made such a compelling argument for a guy that is playing for a team that where the ball barely goes. Can he back 50. up Rock? Does he back up Rock? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but we asked. I mean, Danaher. That the the case for Joe is that he's kicked fifty odd goals. Mm. Fifty one that he finished up with, maybe fifty odd, and he does back up Ruck. So maybe twenty percent of his game time, twenty five percent of his game time is in the Ruck, which costs him goals, obviously, but adds mm. uh, another element to his game. So. Depends on which way the selectors want to go, but I think if they want to go three talls, and there's no guarantee they will, they don't pick it like a normal team per se, um, that Joe might get squeezed out. So, yeah, that's a tough one though because I think he's yeah. been as good as any line this year. But, yeah, I think the other three will get in. Do you see well, it that way or do you – all Australian selectors, please disregard everything I've said about preferring two tall forwards. I think you should have five <laughs> tall forwards uh, in the all-Australian team. Well, I think the case, Dom, just on that, I was yeah. thinking about this the other day. There's not that many good small and medium-sized forwards in the comp this year. Yes. Yeah. So I think if there was every year – to say, well, there's a there's a glut of good tall forwards this mm. year. Maybe we'll just pick three based on that. Charlie Cameron's, I think, pretty clearly the best small forward. Yep. Toby Green's in a class of all of his own. So Toby Green, Charlie Cameron. And then I think you're sort of battling for those small and mediums after that. So I think there's a case to pick three this year, but I'm not sure that's going to be enough for Joe. I'd put Joe personally on the bench. I think he makes a lot of sense as that, um, you know, tall player on the bench who can come in, can ruck, can play up forward. And and I I really hope he does get it. I mean, in saying that, I would hazard a guess there's no player in the competition who could care less about getting an (laughs) All-Australian blazer than Joe Danaher. I'd be surprised if he goes to the awards night. I think he'd yeah. be like, oh, really? Do I have to go to that? He'd probably prefer not to get it just to avoid having to go you're, to the You're awards. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? From what Joe's if a player's view, ever rejected <laughs> a, uh, a jacket? <laughs> I do wonder, though, like maybe he heard all the talk that he was close to, to getting in and thought, oh, that's why I'll miss a goal from right on the goal line. That way no one's going to make me go to the All-Australian dinner and I yep. can stay home in my farm in the, in the northern New South Wales rivers. That'll be beautiful. Look, I, I think um, I think the other three are locks for me now. I think Lockie has got there in the end. Um, three, four weeks ago, he wasn't. I don't think a, a lock in the All-Australian team. Charlie, we said, wasn't a month or so ago. They both had what we said they needed to have, a, a yep. strong finish. They're both definitely in there. Harris is, especially with Sam Taylor missing, definitely in there. It's still tricky for Harris, though. There is some good candidates. The the other key defenders are Darcy Moore, who tailed off, but Mm. I think probably gets in there. Uh, Callum Wilkie, who was outstanding on the weekend against Brisbane. So just put another – he put another little – you know, put his case forward again, and Jacob Wiedering is the other one. So they're mm. the four I would call genuine key defenders, and then you've got James Sicily, who I think is a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah, uh, Tom Stewart, a hybrid, and I might have missed one or two there, but they're the they're the four I reckon key key defenders that Harris is going mm. up against. It's certainly a tricky competition. I think he'll get in over Moore in the end because Moore's form did taper in the injury. Um, you know, Moore just slips from the mind a little bit because of that injury, I think, just a little bit. And Isn't I think it funny though, that was that's only been, you know, a cu- couple of matches. Yeah, but we remember the we have such a recency bias in mm. this competition. And and I do also think um probably he gets in over Wilkie in the end. I think it'll be probably Harris and Jacob Wiedering as the the two tall defenders is my sense. I think Moore might still get there. Okay. You think there might be three? 
No, I, well, more in Andrews. Andrews, That's I think, yeah, okay. I, I am, yeah. All Sicily right. third and then figure out the rest from there. Interesting. We'll see um, what does unfold on that front. If there was one Lions player, if, if I told you there was one more in the in the squad, who do you reckon it would be? Like, who's the one? I don't think anyone's stiff to miss out this year, but if there was one more who, who you know, they decided to include one more, who has the strongest case? I think Dunkley, Josh Dunkley does. Yep. Um, he doesn't have the eye-popping numbers and – uh, that's probably what we go tend to go towards, which yeah, midfielders yeah. have the most touches, which guys kick the most goals. That's what I'm talking about, which defenders have the most intercepts, intercept marks and whatnot. So mm. he doesn't have those numbers, but just for the job that he does where he generally mans the opposition's best midfielder at stoppages, he doesn't necessarily run with them through the whole game, but then wins his own ball, defends. I think he's the one that you could mount the best case for. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, the only other name else? I'll throw out there, and I don't think this guy was close to All-Australian in the end, but Connor McKenna did end up mm. putting together a, a whole season as one of the competition's better rebounding defenders. I know I did cheekily tip him to be All-Australian in the preseason, <laughs> which back then seemed a crazy suggestion. Probably got a lot closer than many would have thought. Um, I do think, considering he hadn't played Aussie rules for a number of years, to come in and play every game so far has been a phenomenal effort. And I wouldn't be shocked if he was All-Australian next year or the year after. He's um, had a pretty pretty brilliant year. But apart from that, I mean, even including the players who have been picked, I think it's been Brisbane's most even year across that's the, their that's squad. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so honestly, I think you'd be pretty happy as Chris Fagan that we've had less or we've had fewer um, individual heroics and more of an even spread, which is what you want to see. Um, let's look at the Saints game briefly, Mike. We've got a bit to talk through with the Saints uh, game, home and away review overall, the Raw Deal medal votes and Bree Kona before we get to, to some questions at the end. Um, but obviously the big talking point uh, for the game was the the inaccuracy uh, I think what did it end up nine eighteen to nine six? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Something along those yep. lines. So uh, we're talking twelve more scoring shots, all behinds. Um, a lot of Lions fans were bemoaning it behind me at the game. I kept thinking, I am so glad we're getting this out of our system now. <laughs> Imagine that in a final, you'd be just about tearing your hair out. It, it was a. I mean, I think it was. It can just be put down to one of those days. Ultimately, sometimes I almost think Kilda put a lot of pressure on and whatever else, but. Some of those misses, it, it just had to be an off day in, in front of goals. Particularly the first half of the first quarter. I mean, yes. Joe's the one that sticks in our head because it was from point blank range, but there was three or four set shots early that were pretty gettable yeah. that that Brisbane missed. And it seemed to – they seemed to sort of write that for the next couple of quarters and then it came back late. And it's a one-off for me because mm. I think last week against Collingwood, they were amazing around goal in that first half, particularly. I, I don't know what they finished. I can't remember what they finished up with, but, a, but that first half, I, I think I commented to, to you at the time at our at the Copacabana Club that we where they ha, mm. had our function, and I think I even said, "Gee, they're they're kicking everything here, like yeah, yeah. snaps, like goals on the run." They were floor, and the week before that, Adelaide was the one missing set shots. That I, I think that I mean, I wouldn't say they gifted Brisbane a win, but. I remember Rory Laird missing a couple from 30 metres in the last quarter, and you think, oh, boy, they missed some. T-. So I think Brisbane's been on the right side of this um, ledger, if that's what it is, for a while, and that's a one-off. That hasn't has not been a problem all year. So I'm with you. I think it's just a, you just forget about that. Guys that have been kicking well all year missed set shots, including Joe. I mean, that's I won't say it's not going to happen again because he, he could do anything. <laughs> but he has been 
generally pretty reliable with his goal kicking. He has been. That's a really good point. Yeah. Much, much, much better. I yep. think it's fair to say. Um, and look, uh, when you look at the expected score from the game, it's a two-goal win in the end, but the expected score, for those who haven't seen it, was actually 102.7 to 54.2. So by that metric, which I think is the biggest disparity I've seen in a Lions game this year. By that metric, the Lions scored 33 points less than they would usually have been expected to score with shots from those positions. And it probably felt like that, yeah. you know, in terms of the game itself, to the point that in that last minute or two, when the Saints are still pushing, you're thinking, this really shouldn't be a live game anymore. It was, it was bizarre. It was. Um, I, we've talked about the expected score before. It's interesting to look at. Yeah. It's not... I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter a lick in the end. It's what what the score actually is. But that does feel a bit more what the disparity was in general play. I think Brisbane had mm. 23 more inside 50s. They won clearances and contested possessions quite handily. 12 more scoring shots, as you mentioned earlier. So general play, it was a pretty dominant performance from Brisbane. They obviously... You need to finish off your work in finals. You don't want to leave the door. And they left the door open for St Kilda. Yeah. What I thought was really good was that when they got challenged, they did respond in that third quarter. Again, as they've done a lot in the last four or five weeks. They did it the previous week against Collingwood. Again, challenged in the third quarter and responded. So I like that part of the game. Although you'd prefer to have an eight-goal cushion <laughs> that yeah. you probably should have at that stage and rather than leaving the door open. Look, looking at expected scores, I did see a on credit um, at Greenlit account on Twitter um, for this one. I did see a, a table come out which looked uh, basically added together all the expected scores um, for the season of all clubs against what was actually scored and did the maths on that. Now, now, over the course of a season, Brisbane ended up 18 points, only 18 points less than what should have been expected. So pretty close to the mark, but had the second most unexpected points kicked against them. So they had 84 more points were kicked on Brisbane than would have been expected, which was second in the comp behind Port with 96 uh, expected more points. So that would suggest that, that in terms of scores against um, Brisbane and Port were the two unluckiest teams. Teams happened to kick the fluky shots against Brisbane and Port um, happen, and just so happens Brisbane and Port play each other first up. Mm. So uh, we'll see if that balances out at all there. But uh, I mean, look, it was really interesting seeing some of the, the hot takes coming through on Twitter after the game, Mike, that if Brisbane do play like this, there's no finals hope whatsoever. I saw one or two of those come through. Then Port look very scratchy against Richmond. And I just... I think we've we've all well and truly established now it's a different season finals and Brisbane just had to win on the weekend. They had a mature clinical win in the end. They got it done even despite the inaccuracy and and now we reset and go again. You're just not going to get four perfect quarters. It there, there's just yeah. no such thing. Yeah. Particularly when you're playing another good team. And a team and so, whose secure, whole purpose is to shut that down. It is. I mean they're working with I don't particularly like watching St Kilda in summer, but there's part of me that was, um, I wouldn't say I was excited watching them because they're not, uh, they're not an exciting team to watch, but you've got to take your hat off to them. They work that hard. Yeah. Honestly, watching them live, the work that their wingers and half forwards do to get back and help in defense, they're not plonking, you know, two spares behind the ball from the start. Those guys are just working their backsides off back in defense. And mm. it looks like um, the Brisbane's Ford 50 is flooded. It is, but it's because they've run so hard to get back there and help their defenders. So I really admire that part of their game. They're working with – you look at St Kilda's list, I, I think talent-wise, it's not amazing. Yeah. And they've had a lot of injuries this year, so Ross has had to work with what he's 
had to work with. Now we know that's the way he likes to coach, but I thought that was a good challenge for Brisbane. They had to f- they had to figure that out. Yeah, a little bit like I think midway through this year, Essendon had a missing a bunch of players, and Brad Scott did decide to throw extra numbers back by design, and Brisbane had to figure their way through that. So I think it was mm-hmm. a great. Tune up, uh, yeah, a great tune up. You've yeah. got it. It's not going to be perfect footy the whole way through. So, you could you could pick holes in every team's um, resume going into these final series if you wanted to. Mm. Collingwood's fallen away. Port Adelaide battled to beat Richmond, who had half a team, and they've lost. A, they'd lost four in a row a couple of weeks back. Mm. Melbourne's just started to come good, but they had a. Well, Melbourne's come pretty good the last six or seven weeks, but they had a big flat patch in the middle of the year. You make cases against everyone, but yeah. ultimately Brisbane deserves to finish second and they've played good footy. Yeah, they have. Totally agree with you on that. Uh, a couple of uh, interesting run-ins I had at the game, Mike. The first was with a couple of listeners to the podcast. I'll uh, give a mention to, I think it's Laurie and Maya, uh, who would came up to see me at the outside the food stand, just outside gate four where I sit. I think it was, I think Maya was Laurie's daughter. I'm not sure of that. But my uh, young girl who likes listening to the show, so um, big mention to to the both of them. I also ran into Jake Anson, friend of the show, um, in the Lion Shop. Funnily enough, I've at the school I work at, Mike. There's been a, a more heavily enforcement that staff must wear hats, and so I thought I'll go get a good Lions hat that'll cover me at the school. <laughs> and I happened to be standing in line behind Jake, so got chatting with Jake. A um, couple of things. The first is uh, an announcement on the replacement stadium is not that far away at all now. He thinks it's, I think he said it's about 80% there probably. Um, and and then we had a bit of a chat off the record about that further, which I won't say any more about. But um, if you were standing at the Lion shop, you might have heard some of that information. <laughs> the other thing you did say though, and this is the big exclusive that Jake gave us. Last week we were wondering, is it Guernsey or Jersey? Um, because I always thought Guernsey for an AFL or an Aussie rules jumper. Um, but then I heard Lee Matthews say Jersey confused me. was wondering what was going on. Jake can confirm for us. It is Guernsey, not Jersey. And this is such a Jake Anson bit of research, by the way, apparently Guernsey and Jersey are English channel islands with distinct traditional knitted fishing shirts. Uh, Guernsey is no sleeves. Jersey is with sleeves. Did you know that? I didn't know the differentiation between the sleeves, no. Did you know there were fishing knitted fishing jumpers no, at some point? No, I didn't point? know that either. No, I've heard of Guernsey and Jersey, yep. but I didn't know that was, that, that they were known for knitted fishing That's jumpers. That's it. So apparently the people of Guernsey would knit their fishing um, jumpers without sleeves and Jersey their knitted fishing jumpers with sleeves. Good work, Jake. And that's where it all comes from. So thank you for that, Jake. Uh, well, look, I think that probably wraps up. I mean, I don't think anyone's thinking about the Saints game too much more. Now all of our attention has shifted. So uh, before we do leave it and the home and away season behind us, Mike, Let's don the tuxedos and give our votes in the most prestigious award in the AFL. I think maybe the three votes was a bit easy uh, on the weekend. The one and the two, I've uh, ummed and art a little bit with them. Uh, I might ask you to kick us off, Mike, with your one, two, and three. Where did oh, you land? I actually think I've gone the exact same votes I went last week. Really? <laughs> three for Lockie Neal, two yep. for Dane Zorka, and one for Kitty Coleman. Fascinating. I'm really glad you said that because I thought that I was a bit out on a limb because, you know, not including Jared Berry in there. And mm. There are another couple of names I saw, but I've given three to Lockie. I've given two to Kitty and one to Dane Zorka. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've just I, I did one think about it a lot as well. And Jared Berry, I thought, I saw a couple of people mention him and I thought, maybe I did undervalue his game. I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, I thought he played very well. Yeah, I, yeah. I certainly didn't undersell the fact that he had, had a good game, but I just 
didn't realise it was that good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we've gone the same players and mm. those guys are in good form. I think pretty sure they're the same guys I had last week. So, great to see Lockie come back with two strong performances at the end of the season. Almost gets rested, Chris Fagan said after mm. the players game. Almost got rested for that game and instead two back-to-back best on grounds. Let's see what it does on Brownlow Medal Night. Well, then. it's a good point, and we actually do have a question about that a little bit later on. Um, you, you wrote, I think it was you wrote about Dane Zorko yeah. as the weapon heading into September. This is something we probably hadn't banked on having, um, was Dane Zorko maybe near his best heading into September, but it now looks like that's what we got. Yeah, it just is so noticeable when he's out there, isn't it? When he's playing his best footy, obviously, you know, yeah. when he's out there, but We've been saying this all season and for as long as we've done this podcast, but it's just his quick decision-making. Yes. <laughs> he holds the ball. He must just have a little rule in his head where he can't have the ball for more than a second because he just gets it and makes a decision that quickly and usually executes the disposal um, perfectly as well. So he just gets Brisbane's ball movement going, mm. not only a fast decision, but just precision execution as well. So. He's so, so important to them. Now, I just wonder whether he had a lot of difficulties with – he's had difficulties with his body for a couple of years now, but particularly in the early in this season. And now I just wonder whether it is a confidence thing. Yeah, he's got yeah. total confidence in his body that he can accelerate, turn, decelerate, sprint off again, and that he knows nothing's going to go wrong. So he's got the confidence and he's able to go out there and do his thing because his last couple of weeks have been – Super impressive. I was thinking that we probably don't give enough credit to just how much it would inhibit even your mindset to be playing a bit sore because Cal Archie, before his knock against Collingwood, was looking like one of our top three or four players. He looked exceptional. And there were a couple of moments on the weekend where Cal looked a little bit rusty again. And I couldn't help but think, is this playing sore? Is this just not quite fully trusting your movement or or being a little bit, even just 1% inhibited? I mean... Well, again, we'll talk a bit about players who'll appreciate the rest week off in a moment. But I was thinking that with Cal the other day that, you know, if someone like a Zork has been playing through pain all year, maybe that has a bigger impact from, you know, in terms of what you can actually produce on field than we realise. Uh, totally it is, Dom, because your brain is programmed to be defensive. It's like yeah. a defence mechanism for your body. Like your brain's telling your body this movement, last time I did this movement, it hurt me. Yes, like for yes. Dane Zorka, it was a hammy or a calf or a, I know this movement ends up in this result. So your brain's almost protecting your body from itself. So it's difficult. And the older you get, the more your brain knows. <laughs> like yeah, It's like yeah. it, it, it knows what your body can and can't handle. So um, difficult, and but it, it feels like Zork has broken that up. He's... he's um, I don't know how to quite frame this, but yeah, it, it feels like he's broken that connection between his brain and his body and he can just go out and do his thing without having to think about it anymore. It does look with the form he's playing like he might have another season in him. In saying that, if they won the flag this year, do you reckon he'd, he'd retire on the spot? Yeah, I reckon he would. I think he would too. Yeah. You so rarely get given a fairy tale. Yep. If you get one, you take it and you ride that out. Do a Selwood and yep. ride it out from there. So we'll wait and see. I reckon if they don't, 
win the flag, he Tough might decision. do one more. Yep. Um, is my sense. So we'll see what happens there. From this point onwards, all votes do double um, heading into finals. So exciting to see what happens. Going to need some big performances to catch the oh, um, yes. the 2020 Brownlow medalist up. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, let's uh, before we chat all things AFLW with Bree Conan in a moment, let's just do a bit of a review of the 2023 home and away season. Mike, I did send a couple of questions through to you earlier today. Uh, these are just basically a, a list of things to look back on the season because we so quickly look ahead to finals that we don't get the chance to reflect back on the uh, the bits we've enjoyed through the season so far. Um, speaking of reflecting on the season so far, did you see the Lions are host, holding their best and fairest on a Wednesday this year? I didn't see that. A Wednesday night, the Merritt Murray medal. Really? Isn't that fascinating? That I is. I thought that was an intriguing call, especially if it's a premiership best and fairest. There you go. I hadn't even, I hadn't even looked at that. What date's <laughs> that? I should have to put it in my calendar now, do I? <laughs> I just, I thought, I mean, if you're, if you're anticipating that you're going to be, uh, that you're going to be holding a premiership, um, best and fairest, which I think is a reasonable chance. Then you know to be doing it on a Wednesday feels a bit off to me. Look, I, I should mention I saw that come up on a graphic somewhere. I haven't verified it. And now I'm googling I, it quickly. I presume it's the Wednesday after the grand final. So most likely, most likely, I haven't. Uh, I could, I, I can probably, I can't actually understand that. I'll tell you why I can understand it. Yep. I think often it's uh, a week after the end of your season. So true. Any team that plays finals normally, the, not any team, but a lot of teams that have qualified for finals, they'll just go ahead and book a venue now for the. F- for the first weekend after the grand final. Mm. Book the venue in, lock it in, everyone's got a date. If you make the grand final, which is the best case scenario from there, you play on Saturday, you celebrate, commiserate, whatever on the Sunday, you probably have exit interviews on Monday and Tuesday, Mm. and then players are off. I wouldn't say it's the last thing they want to do, but – it's. It, I don't think it's hot, always high on their agenda to want to come back a few days later and do a best and fairest. Oh. If you get if you get knocked out in a preliminary final, mm. you've got two weeks to wait. So they're just trying to minimise the time. I reckon between your last game and the best and fairest. I've heard that Joe Danaher counts down to it each year. Oh yeah. Uh, unlike the All Australian <laughs> Night, I think Joe Danaher Club Champs Night lets his hair down. He's like a kid on the night before Christmas when it's Merritt Murray Eve. Joe can't wait to get there to an awards night. Joe's time to shine. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's look back on the season so far. I've given you a few here. Um, I'll go to you first and then I'll share mine. Um, your favourite moment from the home and away season I so put a far. bit of thought into this, Dom, for yep. once. Sure. <laughs> there's, like a, there's a bunch of standout <laughs> sort of the lights out, yep. um, things like that that jumped to mind straight away. Hmm. My favourite moment when I flicked back through the games yep. was the one that made me probably get out of my chair was Jasper Fletcher's first goal. Yeah, okay. Do you know what's interesting you say that is I actually have Jasper in mine as well. I have Jasper and Will's goals against the Demons at the G. Really? Those two goals. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So that's – fact. Well, to me, and I'll get you to talk about yours in a moment, yeah. but for me, um, that game – and obviously we know it ended poorly for Brisbane, but it felt like it was ebbing away from us in the match. And then to have those two players stand up and kick just cracking goals under immense pressure. That was pressure, an amazing – that 10 was, minutes. That was the, if we're going on like a froth, like we're rating, something that brings that mm. noise out of you, I reckon that was it more than any other time this season for me was was Jasper and Will's goals in that game at the G. Yeah, that's a great call. And for me, maybe it was because I was at the ground for this one, like mm. a lot of people listening here would have been, but seeing a kid uh, on a wing get the ball, and I don't think when he got it, he really knew what he was doing. He sort of turned around, and I think it was Aaron Francis was the swan that was there, and all of a sudden he's throwing in a sidestep and taking a bounce yes, and yes. lining up and kicking a goal. And, and maybe it's because I had a good view from where I sit to watch the game, and I was 
basically straight behind it and you could see it sailing through. And I thought, that is amazing. Like yeah. not a lot of things sort of surprise you at the footy anymore, but that surprised me from where he got the ball to finishing a goal was incredible. Yeah. Um, amazing that we both had Jasper Fletcher goals for now. I know. I mean, and how stiff on Will Ashcroft. Man, yeah. he kicks the best goal of all time and he doesn't make <laughs> our favourite moment of the year. Sorry about that, Will. Um, favourite individual player storyline from season 2023? Oh, there's a few here, isn't there? There are. We haven't compared notes here, no. clearly, I think, as we've <laughs> explained here. Um, yep. For me, it's Froggy. Yeah, yep. Just yep. Froggy's. Yep comeback arc I wouldn't not have had him in the team probably even in the reckoning at the start of the year probably not even the first drop he wasn't even your first reserve for that he wouldn't have been and it's not only the fact that he's cemented his spot that he's playing such good footy yeah I I don't know I mean he's not going to finish that high in the best and fairest because he won't have played enough games but the games he's the games he's played if it's on a per game basis if we could somehow figure that out how many votes you're getting per game He'd be up there. He's playing yep. incredible footy and he's an integral member of that back line, which honestly I just didn't think was possible at the start of the year. I remember speaking to him in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the, the the game against Geelong or maybe it was an intra-club match. I was out at Springfield anyway and I remember asking him, how's your hammy going? And he's like, oh, because he'd hurt his hammy pretty badly. And he said, oh, mate, I'm about three or four weeks away. He said, oh, I don't really mind like as long as I'm back for the start of the season. I just remember walking away thinking, uh. He seems he seems quite positive, but mm. I just don't see the positivity there. <laughs> and it's probably a good lesson for me to not sort of count blokes out. I didn't totally count him out, but I just did not see this coming. So I've just loved yeah, love loved what he's done this year. What about you? There's a lot of options here, isn't there? There, there are a lot, and I will say, if Froggy Lester becomes a premiership player for the club, I think that'll mm. be the most emotional moment for me in the medal mm. presentation, just because yep. of how far back he's come from. We're, we're talking five or six years that he's been this reserves player who's just kept toiling away, and we, for a number of years there, probably, the club almost admitted, was getting re-signed just because of how good a cultural fit he was. No one would have ever thought he'd dominate and nail down a best 22 spot again. So that that growth late in your career is extraordinary. He is, uh, someone said this at the Gabba on the weekend, he's the Bob Murphy of the Lions. Mm. And I really liked that analogy. Yep, and to, to see him, you know, be able to win a premiership medal, I'm getting choked up even thinking about it, Mike. Gosh, it'd be a beautiful storyline. Um, the other one I'll go with is Jack Payne. Um, yeah. Because I think we've he's said a this one. a couple of times on the podcast, but, but I think Jack... If it's come about through really rough circumstances, and we do keep thinking of Marcus Adams and hoping he's doing okay, but if Marcus doesn't get you know the the concussion issues that he was having this year, I don't know if Jack does play in the best twenty two. I don't know if you can play Harris, Marcus, and Jack. It's not quite the right mix, and maybe Dizzy gets more of a run. It's hard to tell, but um, but that opened the door for Jack. Now I reckon we'd be looking at a, re- a very reasonable chance that Jack Payne requests the trade to another club at the end of this year had that been the case because he was clearly AFL standard. There might not have been a spot. Instead, Jack Payne's proven himself as a as a legitimate AFL key defender, possibly one day All-Australian level AFL key defender and signed on for the long term. And I think when you look at the next decade at the club, this is so integral because we have a lot of really talented midfielders under 25, but really we don't have that depth under 25 with the key position players. No. And so Jack is an absolutely essential one. And and to for him to have been able to come in to play so well and to then stick around long term, I think that bodes enormously well for the club going forward long term. Yeah, yeah, great call. Uh again, like we knew at the start of the season he was going to get an opportunity. Yeah. But we didn't know whether he was gonna we probably thought he would grasp it and and 
hold down a spot, but not with the authority that he has yeah. to become, you know, such a – he's just a magnet you can just put on the whiteboard straight away and not yes. even think about it anymore. So, And we've spoken about it and lots of people, including the, the man himself, Harris Andrews, has spoken about the difference having Jack Payne in the team has made to, to Harris's game this year. So mm. that's about as big a tick as you can get from the co-captain. I wouldn't mind, though, if um, Harris and Jack decided not to pass the ball back between each other too many more times this season. Always a little bit of a heart attack yeah, when that's happening. Jack's, I'm pretty, I'm pretty secure with Harris. I know he's had the odd turnover, but mm. Jack is a little bit hard in mouth. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of heart and mouth in that back line, that's for sure. <laughs> that's why Froggy's down there. Yep. Yeah, Froggy, yeah. Froggy isn't hard in mouth, really, no, at all. Knows so, his limitations. Um, most worrying moment for the year, the moment where you felt most like, is this season going Oh, this track? is an easy one for me yep. the Hawthorne yep after the Hawthorne the that. Yeah, yeah I think that's a that's a slam dunk so they'd come out of the bye they'd lost to Adelaide and I certainly yeah. I had no worries after that Adelaide match but mm. okay it's not good to go into the bye on a loss but they played pretty good footy a little bit of poor kicking that day uh, and then you go and have a bye freshen up come out and play Hawthorne you're thinking, right, oh, this is great. Kickstart the second half of the season and just laid an absolute egg. Yeah. Just something we'll get to a bit later on, laying yep. laying eggs after breaks. <laughs> well, Brisbane has a habit now. There's a proven track There's record a of proven track record. playing pretty awfully after a week off. And they did that day. And I think what made that even worse, well, it exposed a couple of things. It, ex- it was system or it looked system a little bit mm. because Hawthorne was switching and just finding acres of space on a, on a wing to transition the ball. And it just brought back all the MCG chat. Deserved, deservedly yeah. brought it back. Yes, because it's you can't just keep saying it was a coincidence. So, and this is before Hawthorne had had a couple of big scalps. They got this later was in the their year. first scalp. So, look at the end Came of the season, losing to the Hawks in Melbourne doesn't look yep. anywhere near as bad because obviously they got a couple of big scalps later on in the year. But in the moment, and as you know, I was down there for mm. it. Walking away from the G with my dad and, and my friend Jim. I genuinely was starting to think, you know, well, I was writing us off. I was thinking, well, we're like one of those Adelaide team, you know, the Adelaide team in the mid-2000s who had a great run in the top four but never cracked through for a grand final or a flag and the the Bulldogs team of, you know, the late 2000s into the early 2010s. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, we've had a good run, but we're not going to be able to do it. And all the hopes are falling apart. That was the real sort of... It was a real low night. We went for Italian in Ligon Street and the Italian food was lovely. But my gosh, I was feeling a bit desolate as a Lions mm. fan. And and um, if you'd said to all of us that day in the aftermath of what followed, the Lions are going to finish top two, I reckon there would have been disbelief among yep. the supporter base. That was such a morbid um, – that was such a morbid week that followed. Yeah, it was terrible and it was by far the lowest point of the season. What yeah. I've liked from Brisbane is – they clearly learnt from that. Yes. We saw that the team defence got ramped up in the ensuing weeks and same as the Melbourne loss, uh, what was that, maybe six weeks later back at the MCG mm. where they fell apart in the last 10 minutes, they seem to have learnt from that. So They're a good learning team, Bruce, they, they, they are, do seem to learn. Yep, they do. Learnings. Learnings. Learn. Yeah. <laughs> I was very careful you when did, I said you did that. Well. I no, was very careful. They took the lessons on But in all seriousness, <laughs> they have. They, they yeah. often talk about learning haha from these things but they have they've been able to implement these pro um these lessons quickly so yeah and that was an example of it, that hawthorne match but boy that was a poor performance oh it was a, an absolute shocker and i mean hopefully you, you look at the port adelaide match in round one and hawthorne out of the bye and both of those games brisbane went into heavily tipped to win no one expected mm. port to be what they've been this year that was out of the blue um so people thought brisbane against port easy win Brisbane against Hawthorne, easy win. 
the one good news about the the breaks leading into finals is there's no way your mindset's thinking easy no. win. Um, and we'll talk about this in our later episode this week about the port match. But I'm actually kind of glad that that port flogging happened now because if there was even a shred of complacency, I'm going to keep asking. Any press conference I go to, <laughs> I'm going to be asking about that round one match. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Let's save that for the next episode, though. Um, one more question here, Mike, before we get to our chat with Brie Conan about the AFLW. Um, most memorable raw deal moment from the year. Okay, so I've got two here. Yep, so um, do I, actually. Okay, so, we'll so, you take. okay so, no, so, I mean, we can go the same here if we, if we need to. I mean, yep. the self-indulgent one is our watch parties. Yep, yep. Like, they've just been beyond anything we could have dreamed of, and and this is self indulgence here for from us. So you'll have yeah, to be- yeah. those people that weren't um, that didn't come along. You'll just have to bear with this for for, <laughs> for a minute or two. But yeah, it was something we probably wanted to do for a few years, or to have a, a live event of some sort. Mm. And when we pitched this, we thought you're always a bit like, oh, this could fall really flat <laughs> if only six people want to come along. Hey, that'd be amazing. We'd get we'd make great friendships with those six people but yeah, yeah. maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here but to see them come off firstly against Carlton in round eight we had 40 people and then in round 23 against Collingwood and we had um, double that just amazing experiences for mm-hmm. us and um, I mean well I think we've sort of fostered this great community and in without getting too deep that's kind of a big part of life for me like yeah, living yeah. in communities like for me it's raw deal it's afl it's my running mates it's your family like you've just you've got all these totally little, your villages. all these little communities they are they're yeah. your villages and this is one for us which we hoped would evolve when we kicked off at the start of the year and mm. those two events have really solidified that and everyone listening everyone listening not just the 40 and 80 people that came to those events but obviously everyone listening is part of that mm. community and all the interactions and feedback and that we have is fantastic and we hope you feel as engaged as what we are, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I've uh, got I've got a similar one um, actually, which takes me back to – we are coming up to the one-year anniversary of the Lions media team calling us to say they're going in a new direction. <laughs> and, um, and I remember after that, you and I were – it would have been within an hour we were on the phone going, do you reckon it, there is any chance to keep going? It was pretty quick. It was, because I, I was at I the think school. It was, I think an hour's, a, yeah. I think we got off the phone call with the Lions or the video call with the Lions and I called you kind of straight mm. away. And but within 20 minutes, we thought, well, we'll throw the idea out there. But we had no idea if it was going to have traction. We thought, you know, we hoped this wouldn't be the case, but we thought there was a chance people might go, no, nah, we're happy with the player podcast. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for yeah. a few years, guys. But Which would be totally, totally understandable. Totally valid. Um, but instead, the response from you guys still is, uh, you know, right up there in one of the most touching moments I reckon I've had just about in my life. The, the overwhelming. I put my phone down for half an hour, opened Twitter up again, and there'd be 20 new tweets saying, please, please keep going. It was the loveliest thing. And um, and I remember, Mike, me, you, and, and our audio guy, James, were sitting here on Halloween last mm. year, October the 31st last remember. year, because kids were trick-or-treating in the neighbourhood. We spoke about audio, and, and then I think it was uh, not too long after that. Um, that we had Lee Matthews in here um, chatting with us for the very first episode of the new Raw Deal. And it's actually quite a beautiful moment for me um, thinking about how this does happen sometimes in life, that one thing ends and you think, oh, 
crap, what are we going to do about that? And you have no idea that actually the ending of that one thing is going to open the most incredible new mm. possibility. We've, we've been doing podcasts together in one form or another for a decade almost, Mike, and neither of us, I don't think, have ever come close to enjoying it as much as this last year. So, I mean, it's been an awesome year for the Lions, obviously, but when I think about the ordeal, I go back to to that chat with James here in Halloween and our chat with Lee Matthews and just feeling like we're at the start of something we had no idea what. this could ever grow into. So, And that, that continues to be thanks to everyone who listens to this and most especially, I just need to thank again the the Patreon supporters, yep. the people who are happy to financially back us and, and what we're doing. And um, we should mention, we will have news for you guys uh, on what's going to happen with Patreon over the summer. We're going to pause all of the, the fees and whatever. We'll get to that a little yep. later on in the year. Um, after trade draft and the women's season wraps up. But we're just blown away by the support. Yeah, it's been incredible. I still get blown and I've never been a huge numbers man, but Mm. I occasionally have asked Dom like, oh, (laughs) mate, how are our numbers going? Uh, Like, are people listening? Are these 90-minute episodes like boring (laughs) the piss out of people or what? I I probably ask it every few weeks because I'm a bit conscious about "Eh, the people – which is funny because I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of travelling and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I – I'm fine with 90 minutes or two hours, but I know that's not everyone's cup of tea and mm. we're just here waffling away. And I think, uh, is that whatever? But the numbers seem to show that people sort of listen through. So, yeah, it's been outstanding and blown us away. Yeah. What's um, the second one? The second one is, I don't know if this is, well, it's memorable. I'm not sure if it's for the right reasons or oh, the wrong yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Aussie man and BT. <laughs> 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 when I think oh, of this year- no. I will, and I'm not doing this to <laughs> to throw me under to the throw bus. Dom under the bus. <laughs> I accidentally lead to one of the greatest uh, viral moments of the footy <laughs> coverage this year. Telling Aussie man BT's a big fan on bad information. <laughs> Aussie man goes on TV with BT and Roaming Brian saying, "You might have seen what I've done." BT totally smokes him. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm watching this like a car crash, just in horror, thinking, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? A few messages flying around the oh next 24 hours. Look, Aussie Man thanked me in hindsight because he said the moment was hilarious on TV and went viral yep. for him. But there was a moment I thought, this is one of the most beloved Australians, Aussie Man. <laughs> yeah. And I have just, I have almost single-handedly contributed to making him look like an idiot on TV. <laughs> it's all on me. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So all's well that ends well. I, I just remember getting the text the next morning. I hadn't watched Roaming Brian that night. I'd gone oh to bed. I remember gosh. getting messages the next morning and the things going on social media. I'm thinking, what the hell's happened here? Dom said, "Uh, yeah, you better you better go and watch it." Oh no, I came in here to record something the next morning. Yeah, we yeah, came yeah. in here to record the next day. So that's right. Anyway, that one does stick in my memory. And again, as I've said a ham a bunch of times on this episode, he was amazing with us he was awesome ethan was awesome. aussie man was incredible came over on his own money mm. got an uber over to see us yeah did the podcast went back was just an amazing bloke and if you don't follow his stuff already you should because he's um very funny guy and, and a massive brisbane lies fan yes yeah no awesome awesome guy um uh, my other memory is guests as well and it is having jack Payne and jackson Payne on together yeah <laughs> The Jack Jackson Payne saga has been such a big thing this year um, for for the show and to be able to get them both on together um, was a wonderful moment. And I think eventually then the club's media department picked up that there was something in this maybe a month or two later as well. So that was good to have them jump on board eventually. Um, Well, Mike, we've got a bunch of questions to get through to wrap up the episode uh, shortly. Right now, though, we are lucky enough to be joined by Bree Conan to talk all things AFLW. Uh, Bree, thank you for, for jumping into the raw deal. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Uh, obviously, now only a few days away from your season opener against the Tigers. Take mm-hmm. us into the uh, the excitement in the group at the moment. 
oh yeah, obviously massive um, vibe around the group. Everybody's pretty pumped and keen to kick off the season, obviously at Brighton home. So it's our first home game, home and away game here. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. And yeah, the girls are raring. Does it feel like it's taken forever to come around, Bree? Mainly because the last couple of years just got all jammed together, and this time you've actually had a full off season and preseason. Yeah, definitely. Last year was just hectic having the two seasons back to back, and the condensed preseason, and then obviously making finals both times. It was just it was a hectic year, and yeah, obviously with a disappointing finish to last season, it's been a been a long time between drinks for us so yeah we're just keen to obviously get back out there and um start afresh and really hopefully get some redemption speaking of that that difficult season ending and we won't touch on it too long obviously Bree, but <laughs> it, it was obviously your first game at brighton homes arena that the venue was only just ready in time for it was it a bit weird to go through that heartbreak at a ground and then you know not too long later come back and that's now your new home ground with with that being one of your first memories of it yeah, it was, but I have, yeah, to be honest, all my memories of this place have been pretty fond since then. So, um, yeah, it was a weird, weird sort of start, but yeah, I guess you win, you win and lose games all the time. Hey, so it's not, not like we pin everything on it. Um, obviously haven't played here since besides practice matches. So we want to really make this a fortress of ours and really make it one of our strengths. It's a nice quick deck now. So. Um, which is it suits us a lot more than what it was obviously on grand final day so hopefully we can use that as as a real strength for, for us I wanted to ask you that Bree but you've beat me to it so how much has the surface changed in the last eight or nine months because we know all the I wouldn't say drama that went around at the time about <laughs> whether it was going to be ready or not and how it played and it looked slow on grand final day and that's not to disparage the people that got the surface up and running no. it was an incredible incredible job just to get it up to scratch but it looked slow on game day how much has it changed from then to now yeah like obviously very different um they i i honestly couldn't believe they got it up for game day on grand final day so um but now it's so quick it's hard fast yeah it's very different and the bounce here we've we're sort of learning how to read it but it's so different to what it was it just sort of stopped or skidded on on grand final day and now yeah, it's absolutely suits us. So definitely very different, but we've been training on it now for however long. So hopefully we can make it a strength. And uh, what, what kind of difference has it made having, uh, I guess, your, your facility there for the whole preseason? I know in, in previous years you've um, <laughs> been based largely at Yoronga, but doing stuff all over the place. So to have one um, one-stop shop for everything you're doing, what, what impact has it made on the group over the, the preseason? Yeah, obviously it's a fair way out for some girls, but honestly to have it all in the one spot and to be able to do field sessions, recovery, gym, like all our staff are out here and to be based in the one spot, I think um, I just don't know how we used to do it. We sort of were living out of a shoebox out at Yoronga and then sort of in the Gabba some days doing gym at QAS some days. So, yeah, we're all over the shop. So it's a lot more predictable and easy Um but, yeah, it's definitely a different vibe. Um, I think we're obviously pretty lucky to to have this facility now and, yeah, we're we absolutely stoked. Bree, with the, uh, I guess, rise in professionalism, it's not a professional competition per se just yet, but the, the wages are going up and, and whatnot. How much difference has that made to a pre-season? Do most of the girls um, mm. able to uh, – I guess sort of compartmentalise their lives now? Are, are a lot of them just focusing on footy or how have you seen that change in the last sort of 12 months to two years? 
yeah, it's sort of at that really difficult stage, I guess, where there is the capacity to do sort of full-time, but there's also a drive that we want girls having a life outside of footy and not being, I guess, dictated or, um, yeah, I guess that being their complete identity. Um, so we want girls to have a career or something they're doing outside of it as well. But, yeah, it's at that really difficult phase where um, you're sort of capable of doing both um, and there are some girls sort of still trying to work and, like Ruby Spark, I don't know how she's doing it. She's trying to still work full time on top of the stuff we're doing here. So, um, yeah, I take my hat off to her because I'm only doing like a few days a week and it's challenging. So, um, yeah, hard to find the balance. Well, well, let's speak about the the makeup of the group itself. For not the first time, you have um had to shuffle the group up a little bit. Obviously, we know some of the big names who've left and some new names have come in. Um, can, can you tell us about some of the the new the new players who've joined the squad and and what you've noticed that they're bringing to the group already? Yeah, no, I think we've brought in a really good group of people. Like they are honestly, um, yeah, really good humans on and off the track. They give a hundred percent, and they've um, kept up with our brutal preseason regime so they've they've done really well there but yeah obviously having um somebody experienced like jade pagelli in the back line along with kiara hillier i think has had an absolutely awesome pre-season thus far her running has just gone next level and then obviously um poppy bolts sort of through the middle and forward she's been she's just a power athlete so really explosive and i think um one of the other ones who's really stood out to me would have to be Charlie Mullins. She's had a really good preseason, so hopefully um, we can see her debut at some stage throughout the year because I think she's, yeah, an absolute um, X factor going forward. Brie, what about some of those middle-tier players or middle-to-upper-tier players? I guess in previous years we've seen before she left, we saw Emily Bates make a big jump last year. Well, like we've seen Ali Anderson make a big jump. We've seen yeah. girls make big jumps, you know, four and five and six years into their careers. Like who do you think's made a, a jump in the preseason from that sort of middle to upper tier? Yeah, oh, easy. That's Belle Dawes to a T. She's had an absolutely massive preseason and obviously – with the opportunity and the gap that Batesy's left, I think she'll really step up. She just, like, I think her um, disposal efficiency, the way she uses the footy is second to none in the comp. Um, so we just need the footy in her hands more often. Um, and, yeah, she'll absolutely tear it apart. I have no doubt. Does she ever run out of energy? Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. She doesn't run out of energy at the club, but I'd say she uh-huh. crashes pretty hard um, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> What about re- replacing Jessie Wardlaw? I mean, she has been probably the, the leading forward you've had for a number of years now. It's a, a bit of a big void to, to fill. Um, who, who do you think is going to be able to stand up in that position? Yeah, it's it's sort of like a new look forward line for us, hey? So I think without giving away too much, we might have to sort of change the way we approach that and go into our forward line. We do have a lot of obviously really dangerous small forwards that we probably need to utilise a little bit more. Um, but we do have the likes of obviously Dax, Tay, a few other tools coming into that that area. So hopefully, um, yeah, we can we can work it our way and 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 sort of end up doing something a little bit less predictable. Hopefully, seems like you're probably back in the position as a club where you were a few years ago, where the rest of the competition probably doesn't think you can win it. I don't know if they're writing yeah. you off, but it seems to be that you're maybe a bit okay. of an R. Yeah, a bit of an R. Is that where you is that where you're sort of comfortable? You've sort of you've seen it from both ends where yeah. no one seems to rate you and then you're one of the favourites. 
Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting spot to be in. I think the underdog, obviously, everybody loves being the underdog, okay? You've got sort of nothing to lose um, and everything to gain. So, yeah, I think our girls really thrive off that and I think that's sort of the attitude they've taken into preseason. Like, yeah, we're going to prove all the haters wrong. So um, I think it suits us. And uh, what about Richmond this weekend for, for the season opener? What are you expecting from, from the Tigers this season? Yeah, obviously they, I think, more than anybody um, last year, they went out in straight sets in finals. So I think they've got a big point to prove this this preseason and this season, um, which I think they'll want to rectify from the get-go. So they're obviously a really crash and bash competitive sort of team um, and they pl- play a really um, quick brand of footy. So, um yeah, they're, they're obviously going to be fierce competition and we can't go into it underestimating anyone. It's really been a weird preseason, so I'm not sure what to expect from anybody, to be honest. Well, that, that goes my next question. I was going to ask more broadly, Melbourne probably favoured to go again, but who, who else do you think is going to be up there again this year? Do you think it's going to be a similar group of teams yeah. that there was last season? Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously North Melbourne have drafted really well, I think, Adelaide, despite people writing them off, they're obviously really consistent competitors as well. So I think, yeah, those those top few will be competitive again. But as I said, there's been so much rollover and so much transition between teams. It's it's really hard to predict. So it should be a really exciting season. Well, Bree, I think there is so much joy and excitement building ahead of round one. To have your, your home venue locked in for the whole season as well is just so exciting from a fan point of view as well um, to, to be able to, uh, you know, sort of book in your weekends knowing you're getting to Brighton Homes Arena. It's going to be a, a thrilling afternoon on Sunday. We can't wait for it. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Cheers. Well, let's get some questions underway here before we do wrap the podcast up for today. Uh, Plenty to get through, Mike. So we're going to quick fire these here because I've got buckets that have come through. Um, The first one we've got here is from Sue saying, with an extra game this season, do you think winning a qualifying final will matter more than ever with the players being a bit more tired than usual? No, I don't think so. I think the pre-finals buy helps a lot of that, to be honest. I I think the extra game showed by the end of the season but mm-hmm. a week off now a qualifying final if you win that you get another week off whether that's a good or a bad thing is another debate but no i don't think it makes a huge difference chris says what were your thoughts on the neil dunkley lions trio did it work oh i'm not sold on it no yeah, i think i, I agree with I, you no actually. i gotta say I'm, I'm not so i don't think they should do that for the qualifying final if that was even a, a thought well, you know what, everyone, tune in to our qualifying final preview episode. We'll talk team changes there, but I, I think I'm with you on that, Mike. Uh, JC says, potentially a three-vote game again for Neil after getting votes last week too. Is he making a late charge for the Brownlow? I yes think is the answer. He, yeah, he is. Uh, as we've discussed a bit on the show this year, it's a funny year for Lockie. It hasn't been as consistent as other years, mm. but the highs have been high. Yeah, When Brisbane wins and he gets 30 disposals and 10 clearances or thereabouts, which is often, he's going to get three votes. Yes, The umpires like him. He votes well. And he's done that a stack of times this year. So he might not have been as consistent as a Nick Dacos or a Zach Butters through the year. Um, not this is not to rag on Lockie's had an amazing year, but I think he just is a three-vote get, and there'll be a stack of games where he gets three. So I think he's going to be right there. Yeah, have you seen what the AFL website's Brownlow predictor has? I have. Yeah, 
It has him winning it. It has him winning, yeah. So it has Lockie on 32 votes, uh, pipping Nick Dacos on 30 and Zach Butters on 29. I wonder how many of those. I wonder how many of his 32 votes I've given. Because (laughs) (laughs) I vote on all the Brisbane games and and, and I'm trying to vote, as I've said a bunch of times. I'm trying to vote like I think the umpires will vote. Well, and, and you, but you look at our raw deal medal votes, and that yeah, shows a consistently high season. Um, yep. Just to compare it to another one, the ESPN predictor, um, they have Lockie Neal coming in uh, at fifth place with twenty nine votes. Um, and Marcus fifth place on tw- so that's interesting in itself. Yes. Twenty nine votes. We we at the AFL dot um, com predictor has him at thirty two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or thirty three, yep. thirty two, or thirty three. So they're quite close. Yeah. Yet ESPN's got him coming fifth. Interestingly, ESPN seems to have, you can award a player a 0.5 of a vote, which must be if two people disagreed if he got the vote or not. Okay. So their their system's a little bit more complex, but they've got Bontempelli winning it on 31. Um, at any rate- Gee, that's tight, isn't it? So, yeah. so I think what both of those models yeah. show is it's going to be tight. Yeah, it's going to be a tight count. And um, I mean, I honestly, we're going to be- I'm quite sure we're going to be in the grand final, Mike, so I don't think we'll care all that much. Um, but it would be a pretty special cherry on top of grand final week if Lockie did it. And then you just start thinking, he could have been a three-time Brownlow medalist. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, probably won't think that. Two is more than enough. I think you're yeah. happy enough with, with getting two there. Um, Zane says, if time permits, could you please touch on Hippie's role and why the fan base is wrong to be so hard on him? Um, is the fan base hard on Hippie, do you reckon? I think they've mellowed over the year. Yeah. I, I certainly think early early in the year and for, for seasons prior to this, he's been a bit of a whipping boy for the supporter base. So that's how I felt. Mm. Uh, this year, I reckon he's had a really good year. So not every game. He's not going to kill it every game. But I feel just watching, and maybe someone will have some numbers to disprove this, I don't think he gets outmarked anywhere near as much as what he used to, Yeah, yeah. which is probably the number one. Well, I'd be in the first couple of things I'm looking for when it comes to Hippie's game. And I like the fact that he's getting up the field a bit more. Mm. He doesn't have to plonk himself in the goal square. That's not his game anyway. So I like seeing him get up to the wing and get marks on the lead, which he's been doing a lot. So yeah. I, I think he's had a pretty good year, actually. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you on that. I think um, we had all that kickback. Speaking of the most worrying moments of the season, after round three, about him and about Joe. Mm. And, and then there was a bit of pressure put on him for not being strong in contests. I think before the yep. Richmond game. Was it Richmond game or Sydney game or it was something around that mark? Mm. And then he had a really strong contest in that game that sort of showed everyone he was uh, he was rising to the mark. So, I mean, it was always you know it's his second year back from an ACL. He was always going to build into the year. He's done exactly that, and and I think most fans um, get that. But it does seem to be some some Lions fans out. There, I think this is all footy fans who early on in a player's career develop some belief that this player isn't what they should be, mm. and then they never change their mind. It's very hard to shake that. Yeah. That. And you know what? My fa- most famous memory of that was a guy. I shouldn't out this guy, but I don't think he listens to podcasts because he's quite old he sits near me at the footy and i remember when we started going in 2013 to or 2011 sorry in these seats and he told me he'd never been a jonathan brown fan brownie just never quite <laughs> uh, he clearly in his first year or two developed some reasoning to be against jonathan brown and had never been won over he said he stands up every now and then but he's mostly quiet and i thought wow. well you know what if jonathan <laughs> brown if some people do that for jonathan brown as my co-host zach once told me when we got a negative comment on a video we'd made some people don't like chocolate yeah <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's world we live in call, hey? some people don't like chocolate uh george says looking a little further ahead i think we covered this a few weeks ago but we'll touch on it briefly now but with Stuart due out of a job and living in queensland do you think we're expected to make a call the lines never seem to be in the running for senior assistants who i think could be invaluable 
Yeah, I'm, I, 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 think so. I don't think so. I think they're pretty settled, and I don't get the feeling that any of these current coaches are like breaking their neck to be senior coaches in the next year or two that mm. would want to get out and open up a vacancy. So my short answer is no to that. And Chris Fagan is pretty defensive of his coaching group. Yep. And, um, and you know, I, I think with what we've seen with how they've been able to patch up the holes from previous years this year so far, with good reason. Look, I guess the caveat is things could change. If they yep. go loss, loss, yes. then things will have to be reviewed. And But, mm. but at the moment, I'd say no. Yeah, yeah, agree with you on that one. Uh, scrolling through to the next one, this is an interesting one. Steve says, why do members of the AFL broadcast media and only members of the AFL broadcast media think that laconic is a synonym of casual or laid back? I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, the- have you used laconic to you to mean that before? Are you guilty? I don't know. I, I don't think so, but... Mm. I'm not convinced. I reckon my, I, there's probably a time I got caught up in it once or so twice. So I don't think I knew the word before hearing footy commentators use it. Yeah, I don't think I've used it. So do you know the meaning? I've looked up the meaning of laconic. I'm not sure if you're Yeah, it's it. like um, uh, like sh- speaking in short sentences, yes, basically. Yeah, yeah, almost to the point of being- Nonchalant. Uh, th- well, it's speaking in short sentences that- yeah. Makes you come across as nonchalant almost. Well, here we go. Or La- dismissive. Laconic implies, here's some definitions, implies brevity to the point of seeming rude, indifferent, or mysterious. Oh, there we go. Even hard, harsher than I thought. Rude. <laughs> Somebody who is reserved and unengaged to the point of being unfriendly. And I can see how the so link was maybe made then. Like an arrogant player could be seen as lazy and then yeah. lazy seen as yep. laconic. I could see maybe how they got there. There's a progression to it, but it's not the definition of the word. Um, Colin, I hadn't actually thought about it, though, to be to be honest. So uh, it's, you a good, wanna, it's a good shout. I mean, do you want a second definition, Mike? Because apparently I've got one. Yeah, um, go Colin's on. Dictionary says, if you describe someone as laconic, you mean that they use very few words to say something so that they seem casual or unfriendly. And maybe that's where the casual link comes yeah. in. The player looks yep. casual with yep. the ball. Um, but I honestly think what it is, Steve, and, and I, I understand being frustrated by this, it's a bit like the learnings thing, is one person gets something wrong, totally. somebody else thinks that sounded smart, <laughs> just gets into the vernacular, and then it catches like wildfire. We've seen it with Jack and Jackson Payne this year. Mm. Something gets into the the sort of collective consciousness of the footy world yeah. and then spreads like wildfire from that point onwards. So we'll have to be careful about that. Great oh, pickup, though. Who is a laconic player in the AFL then? Who's someone who uses short sentences maybe to the extent of seeming a little bit rude? Oh, no, I can't answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Good gear on that front. Um, all right, we'll move to uh, another one down here from Kim. Uh, are we going to get rid of that awful upside down two masquerading as a five? <laughs> this is an ongoing thing of the year that the Lions do have that style guide where their two is an upside down five. You know the real tragedy for many people on this one, Mike? is um, if the Lions do, as I think they're going to win the flag this year, all of the imagery the club's going to post online is going to have 2023 premiers in it. That's going to be two of them. You're going to have to live with two of them as we celebrate the uh, the grand final win. Uh, the Ultimate Brisbane Lions fan page says, which part of our, na- our game needs the biggest tune-up ahead of finals? Uh, after the Saints game, I'm going to say goal, goal kicking. Kicky. <laughs> I think the rest is pretty okay, really. So do I. There's nothing glaring for me. I think no. stoppage is going well. I think pressure, which forces turnovers, is going well. Defensively, they're pretty well set up. Mm. And I think their ball movement's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think most parts are in pretty good order. 
Uh, Liam says, do you both think that Joe Danaher is our default Ruckman when the game is on the line? He always seems to be in there at the death, which is an interesting pickup, Liam. It is an interesting pickup. I hadn't thought about it, but it is true. You often do see mm. Joe in there in the last few minutes of a game. Do you, do you think that's strategic? Must be. I guess Chris Fagan uh, wouldn't do it by accident. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. No, I... That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it, but now that you've mentioned it, obviously your mind goes straight to Fremantle. He's in at the ruck yeah. late. Like we do see him in there late. I, I would tend to think it's just the rotation, to be honest. It might – I don't know how it works. Maybe Oscar plays 10 minutes, Joe comes in for five, Oscar 10, Joe for five, and that's just the way it pans out. Mm. They might think Joe's a little bit fresher for the end of games perhaps. Maybe it is strategic. Interesting, though. I might try and find out. We'll have to watch that one heading into yeah, finals. If really you see Joe in the last few minutes of a close final go in, you'll know they're trying to do something strategic I, there. I probably tend to – yeah, anyway, I was going to say, I tend to think I'd want him forward, but he's done well in the ruck late in games. So I don't, well, and Oscar's no. a good contested mark, so mm. maybe you, you think uh, possibly a better contested mark than mm. Joe. So maybe you think, get Oscar up forward, he'll bring the ball to ground, and Joe can be competitive mm. in the ruck there. Um, Daniel says, if a key back or key forward was to go down, as they often seem to do in finals – who is the next in line? He then outlines in 2020, Darcy Gardner goes down. 2021, um, Hipwood, McStay, and Payne. 2022, Oscar McInerney and Joe Danaher. It's a good point. We it's a have great question. The last three final series lost a key position player in uh, in the midst of the finals. Who are the next scabs off the rank? I mean, down back, it's probably pretty easily Darcy Gardner. Correct. That's pretty safe. Yep. Is it safe to say it's – I mean, I'm assuming Gunston's not back. Is it safe to say it's Darcy Ford up forward? I think so. I, I think that's the likely options, yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't – I but did go I, Tom Fullerton last year. To the point, I think the cupboard's not bare, but it's pretty empty Yeah. when it comes to key position players at both ends of the ground. That's the part of the list where Brisbane's a little bit thin. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Hopefully, we don't need to see it tested yeah. too much. Really good point, though. Really, really good pick up there. Andy says, uh, will Danny Daly be at the Lions next year? And do you think there'll be any other coaching changes? We just mentioned probably no other coaching changes. Danny Daly, there was some linking him with mm. Damian Hardwick at the Suns. Sounds like that's off. Yeah, I think so. I, would, I wouldn't totally put a line through it, but I think Danny Daly will be at Brisbane next year. He also says, what was the hardest loss to deal with and what was the most memorable win? Um, I'm actually going to say the hardest loss to deal with. Uh, we mentioned Hawks. Outside of the Hawks, the Port game, obviously, was a weird, mm. weird start to the year. That just was disorienting. And I did have a few days of thinking, are we bad again? Are we just bad again? Um, most memorable win is a good one we didn't cover off, I don't think, but probably Melbourne with the lights out. Yeah, or I, I, like, I really thought uh, the Easter Thursday against Collingwood. Yep. Brisbane were one and two heading into that game, taking on unbeaten Collingwood, thinking, oh my God, if this goes one and three, what does this mean for Brisbane's season? Hmm. Which seems silly when it's round four and we're now five months down the track. And we're, but that's what it felt like at the time. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, Sam says, question, when the famous Lions movie gets made about this season, who will play Dev in the Guernsey ripping scene? Will it be Chris Hemsworth, Fabio, Fish or Dom? Well, you can rule out the last two, I reckon. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth has some legs there. Um, maybe Tom Holland. You know Tom Holland, Spider-Man, obviously, famously. Um, I feel like he has a bit of the Tom, the, the Dev Robertson look in the face. Yeah. I don't know. That, for the there's ger- enough there. For a Guernsey ripping scene, I feel like there's enough there to get going. Um, Ava says, with the home and away season done, can we all now agree that Will Ashcroft definitely has goal of the year secured? Uh, I think so, Ava. I did look through the contenders a little while ago. In my mind, it's still quite clearly Will's goal is, you know, the spectacle that it is. I, I'd be shocked if it went somewhere else, to be honest. 
I think it's him. I do like some other goals. I didn't look through all the contenders, but the couple that spring to mind, and these 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 goals never win, but mm-hmm. Dan Houston's after the siren against Essendon was ridiculous from 55 at the MCG. It was an incredible goal. And I did get to see one live a few weeks ago from Errol Goulden against GWS where he started at halfback, was involved a couple of times and kicked the check side from the left boundary line all in the one passage of play. So I really like those goals. But I think the sheer audacity of what Will did yeah. is, should be enough to get him over the line. I still think it's probably, on pure freakish talent, the best goal I've ever seen. So I'd be shocked if it missed out, personally. Um, does that is that Brownlow night we get goal of the year? It normally is, isn't it? It's normally where it's announced. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So yep. We'll yep. get an answer there. So Lockyer win the Brownlow. Will will get goal of the year. Then we'll go on and win the flag. Sounds like a pretty good, good week. week to me. Uh, Andrew says, not a question, just a general statement. I'm feeling very reflective and appreciative today of how far we've come in eight years. We may or may not get the ultimate prize this year, but sometimes you have to step back and appreciate where we were and where we now are. Um, So many people have been instrumental, but I just have to give a shout out to Greg Swan, who was the seed of professionalism that started the turnaround. I sense he doesn't like the fanfare, but he does deserve it. I took my seven-year-old to four games this year, and he's absolutely invested. I am so excited about what lies ahead for him. It's a good point, Andrew. In the midst of all of this, I I had a moment of myself of this um, just Monday morning, this morning, Mike, thinking there were so many years Seeing all the Carlton fans freaking out about their first finals mm. campaign in a decade, there were so many years where the idea of Brisbane sneaking into eighth would have been enough to make my year. We finished second for the third time in five years, and we're all like, okay, well, now they've really got to prove it. Yep. <laughs> Our expectations shift so quickly, but this football club, off-field and on-field, it is one of the most dramatic turnarounds in AFL history, what's happened in the last last decade. Yeah, it's amazing. And for those people listening that live in Brisbane as well, we saw yeah. that stat getting around on the weekend about Brisbane winning 50 out of its last 58 games at the Gabba. Yes. When you rock up to the Gabba, you're pretty much seeing your team win, yeah. which is remarkable. I cover a team down the road that can only <laughs> dream about like, – it's the same position almost. Like, oh, yeah. God, I'd just love to see Gold Coast finished eighth. Just mm. play one final, please. One – day one time ever yeah and they seem so far away from that and you you rock up you know you might see them win at home one out of every two or two out of every five weeks or something and Brisbane have been so blessed in the last five years with the turnaround that well seven years of Chris Fagan but the last five of making finals so great to step back it's awesome to have expectations though yes like and yep shoot for that premiership because that's the ultimate but uh, I really love that message it's so um great reflection and this is the week for that next week yep. we all lock in yep. laser focus on what lies ahead and the journey ahead but this is the week to take a, a bit of a deep breath and to remember that that right now it's funny i was seeing all the tweets about harley reed when north won their game on the weekend and you know gave pick one back to west coast and thinking it's the end of august and i don't think up bar harley reed i know a single draftee's name in this year's draft and that's, you know, by this stage, Mike, I've normally given you my dossier of like the top 20 picks I want the Lions yep. to take. And and it's been a long time since we've been thinking that way. And, and you do forget how quickly things do shift. So um, absolutely, absolutely thrilling there. Uh, might wrap up with Jason saying, listening to the podcast, any chance you can post your trivia questions from the Friday night live <laughs> event on Twitter or Facebook? Uh well, it's an interesting one. We could share the trivia questions. We could. we could do them on here. But I'm wondering if we're a chance of doing a live event in Melbourne, Mike, you know, going down for that one for grand final week, should we save the trivia questions there or we might get some double ups. Maybe some people at the live event in Brisbane yeah, would true. be there. So. Go down and scoop the pool. 
if someone gets 15, you know there's some shady business going on. <laughs> we'll see what we can do there. Look, maybe wait uh, for our special episode coming later in the week, previewing um, the final against Port. Maybe we, if we have time there, we could look at some of the trivia questions. Give some of our favourite ones. At any rate, we'll leave this episode there now. Uh, here is the update one more time. You're going to get Patreon fans our finals preview with Simon Black in your feed on Thursday. Everyone else, you'll see it in your usual podcast feed on Saturday. And then, Mike, the anxious countdown begins. Enjoy one week of a deep breath. Watch the women. Have a great time. And then it all gets pretty terrifying, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you soon.